Rosecrans Vic podcast. I'm Rosecrans Vic, and I'm joined by a very special guest via phone, Brandon Tory. What's good? It's Brandon. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely, um, you know, wanted to to have this conversation and, you know, put this out in, in the world because you and I, you know, we connected about your app and, and just, um, you know, everything you're doing in the music and tech space. And in having our conversation, I thought it was important for other people to like hear this and, you know, know what you're working on. And then also I was just curious to know more about your backstory and, you know, everything like that. So I guess um, first things first, you, uh, how we first connected was you have an app called the Share App, correct? Yep, share protocol. Yep, share protocol. So, if you could just give us, you know, a quick breakdown of of that, and then after that, we'll get into, you know, your story and and you know everything behind that. Yeah, yeah, dope. So, I think um, the best way to describe it is like in terms of creators. I think we all know it's really hard to monetize on the internet, even after you build, um, you know, a community. There's still all these algorithms and different policies that's really out of our control. And so share is a new technology where you can permissionlessly monetize content peer to peer. So what that means is you can put out videos, songs, previews, anything you want. And in a decentralized way, you can connect directly with your community and you can charge or, you, or it can be free. Um, and then other people can actually monetize on that content downstream. So they can do things like playlisting or reshare it and uh, everybody gets money um, and everybody gets paid fairly and efficiently. And uh, it's a new way to think about how to put out content on the internet. Absolutely. How long have you had the app for? How long have you been working on it? What's what's like been the, the whole story on, on the app itself? Yeah, so th this probably goes a little bit more to my story, but I'll just mm -hmm. keep it you know, to, to the most recent part. I was an engineer at Google for the last uh, three and a half, almost four years. I resigned in January uh, to build Share. And so Share is an idea I had been kind of researching and, and prototyping. You know, there's a couple layers to it. So one part is the app. Um, you know, they got this new thing now called DAP. So it's like an app, but it's decentralized. So they call it like a D app or DAP. And so you have that part, but then there's like all the infrastructure that's underneath that. And so, you know, I was kind of putting together the pieces um, over the past year and a half, but it wasn't until January of this year that, you know, I went all in uh, 100% full time to build this out through my company Formless. Nice, nice. Okay, so, um, and in since January, so it's been around, you know, about 11 months. Uh, yep. Correct. Okay. Um, since yep. then, who have you been able to like partner with or work with so far? You know, that maybe people might recognize or just you know. Um, you know, names you could throw out there. Yeah, for sure. So we got a lot of partnerships that's um, kind of in the works that we'll be announcing in 2023. I can definitely share today, though, that Dallas Austin, who's, um, wow. you know, you might be familiar in of terms of the uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame, Grammy yeah. Award winner, TLC. 100 million records sold, TLC, uh, even Kanye, you know, Madonna, all types of people that he's that he's produced for, Pink. Um, so Dallas is one of our first partners. Um, and so we're actually going to be announcing that pretty soon, but love to drop that info here. 
Nice. Um, and so, yeah, just just working with, you know, names in the industry that that are credible to try to bring this new technology into the space. That's so dope. So now I do want to get into a little bit more of your, your backstory. Um, so you mentioned that you were at Google as a engineer, um, but you also were in the music space or have been in the music space, correct? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so if we could get into to that, like your start into like how it's just really intriguing to me how you're in music and tech, one foot in both at the same time and you know concurrently doing both in your new app is like bringing them together so you can just give a, a yeah. quick breakdown of like your music history and, and everything yeah so it's, it's kind of dope i call it multi-dream right it was always for me ever since i was a kid um you know when i was maybe 12 13 i wanted to be a hacker you know i kind of had seen <laughs> the matrix and other movies and yeah just was excited about like this world that was kind of underground and like defiant. You know, I always thought that yeah. was dope and it really gravitated to Hackers me. was a fire movie. Did you ever Hackers, Hackers? with Angelina Jolie? Yeah. yeah, I love that. It was one of my favorite <laughs> movies. Exactly. So that whole scene, you know, in like the nineties, it was just, it was just fire. And, yeah. uh, but at the same time, like I grew up in the hood, I grew up in um, a city called Brockton right outside of Boston. Okay. But, you know, my, I had really young parents, like 18, 19. So I lived in like motels, shelters. We had all types of like, just financial troubles, but um, that kind of just shaped me, you know, and it molded me. And during that time, you know, I was at my computer with me. I built my first computer myself. It was a Linux computer. And I had that with me in the shelter and I was just coding as much as I could. Wow. Um, just learning everything I could about technology. But at the same time, I was meeting all these kids, you know, from other walks of life, you know, kids from, you know, who maybe had just moved to the city from, from New York or from other towns. And, you know, I got to know a lot of kids and hip hop was the thing that really unified us all. You know, we all spoke that kind of music language. So hip hop was just just very deeply ingrained in my identity. And it was hard for me to figure out how to merge technology with that story. You know, I think right now tech is kind of dope. Yeah. But back then, you know, tech, tech wasn't always dope, right? It was like nobody wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. It was like tech, tech nerd. And, and yeah. It was really exactly. like, yeah, like what? You know how to build a computer. Like, yeah, exactly how you said yeah, it. It wasn't cool at all. The only cool thing to do at a time was just be able to like do like design your own MySpace like coding and shit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was the could, only you time. Design your own MySpace. Yeah. If you knew how to use LimeWire, if you knew how to oh, use yeah. Napster, right? To like get the music. That yeah. was kind of dope. But like other than that, nobody talked about tech. So for me it was like, you know, I was insecure about that. I never I never went to school and like told people I was learning how to program and all these things at, at the crib. So wow. so um so that was always my my kind of dichotomy. So I went off and got a degree in engineering. Nice. Um you know, I had become really, really good at technology. I would say I was much better at tech than I was at music, even though I really <laughs> love music. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then I got my degree and then decided, you know what, I'm going to move to Atlanta to pursue hip-hop. So moved to Atlanta um, full-time. What um, what year was this? This was 20, uh, 2011, 2011, actually. Okay, 2011 so, was when I moved to Atlanta. So that's yeah. like the height of, like, music booming in Atlanta. That's why. That's exactly where I went. Yep. Amigos, future. Amigos just coming up. Futures booming. Uh, yep, shit. exactly. McConan's probably doing his thing at that moment. McConan, the, yeah. the Tuesday joint. Rich homie Quan was going up at that yeah. time. Thug it was right before Thug took off with yeah. the uh, with the Stoner record. So it was like OG Mako. It was an amazing Chico. time. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Exactly. It was an amazing time to be in Atlanta, and I had homies out there already. Yeah. You know, and and tech was cool, but it was like, you know, I feel like I can always get back into tech. Let me go do music. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, moved to Atlanta, met a lot of really dope people. Atlanta was where I really, you know, just like you said, it was everything you just said was how it felt in Atlanta. I just, mm-hmm. I just learned everything. I was going to like Apache Cafe on, th- on, on Thursday nights doing open mics. And again, it was like, I was not telling nobody that I had this engineering background, that I knew anything about technology. I was just out there, you know, kind of doing my music side. And th- this is where the, uh, the word formless and multi-dream came from. It was like, you know, for me culturally, it was always like, what's the future going to look like, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of identity? You know, is, mm-hmm. is, is there going to be this future state identity where we can be multiple things, where we can be good at tech, but also be our most authentic selves within the culture? And so that's what formless stood for. And that's, you know, that's what I still stand for today. Um, so fast forward, Atlanta was dope. I was there for about three years, learned everything, you know, in, in, you know, in Atlanta. I was with my, um, my roommate at the time, who was also my producer. His name was Yvonne. Uh, Fave Major okay. was his producer. He went on to go platinum. He was on uh, Bryson Tiller's Trap Soul oh. uh, album. He was anti with Rihanna. Wow. So we've been doing music, you know, for a long time. Fast forward, I moved to LA. Um, I put out this guitar song called Timberland, and it gets entered into this national song competition. Um, did I say that? So I said I forgot what I said, but it was called comfortable i put it in the song competition it gets discovered by timberland oh, okay. tim flies me to my tim flies me to miami wow so i meet him and that's my first big break um in music wow that's amazing and yeah. timberland see seems like he's on the the cutting edge of, of tech as well um you know with with his like uh with the i know he had the sub uh he had the, the backpack thing it's escaping me like the name of it Oh, I forget what it's called, but yeah, the 808 joint with the bass and the backpack. Yeah, and the yep. backpack, and then obviously he's gone on to found, you know, verses with, with, you know, that whole thing and partner with Apple. So, okay, so yep. you fly out to Miami, you meet Timbaland, he loves your song, Comfortable, and what happens next? All right, so boom, me and Fade fly to Miami, and, um, you know, at the time, everybody that's affiliated around him is like, you know, he's... He's super cool, but like we don't know if he's gonna let you let your homie come in. It's probably just gonna be you, and we'll see. And I'm like, all right, you know, yeah. we'll see how it goes. So I go in, and I'm like, yo, t- Tim. As soon as he sees me, it's just love. He just gives, me, he just died me like, yo, the record's crazy. I was looking forward to meeting you, and I'm just like, oh my god, because you know, in music, it's like you could go years in the music industry and never have any type of stamp or any type of yeah. validation to know you're even going the right direction, right? So mm-hmm. for me to go from like not knowing what's going on to them. I'm in the studio with Timbaland was crazy, right? But at the same time, I was like, yo, my man's in the lobby. He produced the record. You know, he, it was always his dream to meet you. Like, can he come in too? He was like, hell yeah. Fire. So I pulled, I pulled Fade in too. So we both just chopped it with Timbaland for hours. And so that night was crazy. He's like, yo, as soon as you get back to LA, I'm gonna hit you. I was jaded because I had been in music for a while. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And um, I get back to LA. Next day, I'm on a corner of um, Hauser and San Vicente, about to do my laundry, get a phone, phone call from a 305 number, it's Timberland. Yo, what up? Where's the next record? Where's the next record? We got to keep working. Damn. So if you go on my Instagram, if you scroll down, you'll see one of my earlier pictures. It's me and Tim in the studio from that night. And then through that year of him kind of pushing me and mentoring me, I, I worked on this tape called Shine. And Shine was the first tape I put out in LA. And... Uh, you know, I had I had hooked up with like R and Bass. I was doing a bunch of interviews with Dash Radio, which you and I had talked about. Yep. And so it was really going up, you know, and I had records on on Spotify with a million streams. I had a record called They Want Me to Win with 24 Hours. Nice. You know, we was really doing our thing. 
and this is where this is where share kind of came from. So, you know, I had songs with a million streams on Spotify. I was doing mansion parties in LA. I had Timberland on FaceTime. All this stuff is going on, but I'm mm-hmm. still not making no bread off of music, yeah. right? So I got <laughs> got the studio in North Hollywood. I got all this stuff, but it's still like, yo, this financially still doesn't really make sense. Yeah. And for me, being being really talented in the technology and just knowing how much money there was in Silicon Valley, I started to think, is there a way that I can converge these two identities, these two sides of myself, and maybe maybe make something special, right? And so I started to think about how can we use technology to disrupt uh, the creative industry. Nice. Um, I have to ask because this question just popped up in my head. When you were when you put out Comfortable and you were putting out like your music, did you get into your tech bag and start hacking playlists, or did you start using any of your tech for? For evil, <laughs> in a way, like <laughs> to like help boost like your numbers and stuff. Because I know like people get on people now for like fake streams, fake numbers, da da da. But yeah. back then, I don't think it was so obvious. Probably not a lot of people knew how to do it, especially people that were both artists and you know into to tech like themselves. Were you able to like boost your numbers or the algorithm or anything like that back then? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I always, like I said, I've always been in the hacking and coding. So I was, you know, trying to do whatever I could to find out how do I reverse engineer this algorithm? How do I try to get like this thing to work or that thing to work? But, you know, clearly I wasn't that successful at figuring <laughs> out the algorithm at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. But, um, but I would say, yeah, it was a little bit of both. I think, I think I, for me as an artist, I really let go of the engineering side when it was when it came to creativity mm-hmm. because it would um it would almost interfere with the way that you make the music if you try to be too scientific with it. Ah. Um but on the marketing side though, like yeah, I think it's just that's just marketing one on one is how do you use technology to try to figure out what the trends are and figure out, you know, how to break through. But um ultimately I would say in music the game changes so often and changes so fast that you know, a lot of that stuff works one day and then the next day you got to figure out a new strategy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you, you reach a point to where you're having like success in the music industry, um, on a respect level. And like you said, like, you know, you know, you get Timbaland's attention, you know, you're performing at all these places, but you're not making the money, which is I'm sure where thousands, if not I don't know if there's millions of people making music, but so many people are at in this exact moment right now, they're at that. Exactly. And so you go to like find this thing and you're like, okay, how do I solve this problem that's in front of me right now that I'm smart enough to know how to make money in tech. I'm talented enough in music to be making money, but these streams don't add up to the money that it should. So how do, how do yeah. you tend to like, how, what was your like first attempt to like solve this problem? So it was almost like a light bulb moment for me only because of my personal story. I think if I didn't have a background in tech, if I didn't grow up as a kid, deeply, deeply into tech, I probably would have just continued, you know, with what I call the artist journey. Right. And like, yeah. At some point, as you said, a lot of artists go through this phase and like it takes time and then you can figure out your kind of pocket. Yeah. But for me, it was much more like, you know, I can be in this system or I can try to step outside the system and create a new one. 
You know what I mean? And that that was really what the decision was. And so um, I joined Apple 2016 from L.A. I moved to Cupertino. Mm. And what what I meant by this was I kind of had the foresight that foresight that like tech and music are coming together. And so I, I had this yeah. statement that I made back then, which is that music is technology. Right. Yeah. And so there was meetings that was like really, really impossible to get from the music side that I was able to get from the tech side because it was almost like you switch identities. So here's one example. I had, um, I had, you know, I had always wanted to meet Jimmy Iovine, mm-hmm. right? That was just a, a dream of mine. From the music side, that was like nearly impossible. From the tech side, when I, when I was at Apple, I, you know, I reached out to him and I sent him this whole idea of multi-dream and like, what it means to be formless and all the creativity stuff. And just by the grace of God, he hit me back and was like, yeah, let's meet. He had the Apple you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, no, but I didn't even have to, I didn't even have to guess. I could just see him in the directory. Oh so yeah, I just, that's I just fire. Yeah. Cause I'm on the inside. So I'm exactly. like, yo, you know, I would love to share with you some ideas and, and, and boom, boom, boom. And so what, what I meant was that like, you know, I think I think in general, not just me, but us as a people, you know, there's opportunities to play different angles, yeah, um, and to be in different spaces, right? And so that was a big part of it. I met with Jimmy Iovine, and I told him, like, listen, I think there's this really interesting future for creatives where music and technology come together, and where we can actually redefine the standard of how we distribute music, right? And we sat and talked for an hour, and he's like. You know, he gives me all this really great feedback. He grills me, asks me a lot of very, very specific questions. What What are you trying to do? Yeah. How can you make this make sense to somebody like me? Give me the top five names of music that you want to meet. I'll make it happen, right? And then he goes, why do you live in Cupertino? Like, you got to get back to L.A. So he really challenged me on a bunch of stuff. And, and that's when I stepped out of that meeting. and was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to establish this company formless, and I'm going to build this technology, and I'm going to move back to L.A. So I moved back to L.A., and this is kind of when um, – when Share was born. So I joined Google and, and the main thing for me was, you know, in this kind of journey of being an artist and going through the system and realizing like, okay, yeah, I can get popping, but in terms of the financial sustainability, you know, it's really just a broken game until you get to like the billion stream count. It's, it's pretty, pretty, uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Right. Yeah. And so for me, it, it comes down to this idea of um, control control and compatibility and so what i mean by that is in the music industry and by extension like other industries too but let's just start with music in the music industry when you put out a song you're taking this piece of intellectual property that you've created and then you're taking that file and giving it to a system of control and that system is for example youtube or spotify or apple music Now, the reason I say a system of control is because they make all the decisions with regard to pricing and the relationship with the consumer, the way you communicate with them, the amount that your stuff is valued at, the way it appears in marketplaces with ranking from the algorithms, all of that. You're saying, I will give up all control around this, this intellectual property in exchange for being compatible with your system and your audience. Okay. Now this this exchange of of compatib- of control for compatibility, um, it worked really well for a long time because we needed something to solve the piracy problem. 
yeah. right? Where like everybody was just stealing music. Okay, so in came streaming services and we said, great, we'll let you guys control the relationship. Just make it easy enough for the consumer that they'll stop stealing. And that was the paradigm for a long time. Yeah. Now the, the problem with that is, is it commoditizes music, right? So what I mean by commoditizes, it takes every single song and makes it virtually the same value to the perspective of the consumer. And so over time, music has been severely devalued to where you no longer have that case of like trapping out of the trunk or, or like what Nip did with Proud to Pay saying, I'm going to charge $100 for this album because I know that the people that value this music will value it at that price. Instead, we have a system where our value is completely determined by systems outside of our control. Yeah. Spotify and Apple Music are telling us that our music is worth half a half a cent. And it's exactly. like, and it's telling us that if you if somebody if you make a song that's good enough to get played a million times, that it's you might get a thousand dollars. You might get a thousand dollars. And to get that million, how much you gotta spend? To shoot the music video, to record a song, to promote, to 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 you break know, through the algorithm, go on tour, to do everything else to break through it's, the algorithm. Yeah, it's it's so, crazy. When you think about the, but here's the flip side. Yeah, no, go oh ahead. my bad, go ahead. No, I was just saying when you think about the action of like creating anything and for it to be good enough to be used a million times, it could be anything. It could be if you create a fucking shoelace, if you create mm-hmm. a a cool like drawing for it to be viewed a million times or used a million times like that's so many times and for there to be such a tiny value attached to that and especially when it comes to music just to book one session that might not even finish the entire song you might spend you know up to a thousand dollars right for one session yeah like you know exactly not even counting the beat or anything that you might have paid separately to the producer or anything like it's pretty nuts. I mean, it's just, it's just basic business. I mean, imagine if every t-shirt was a dollar, if, if every t-shirt was a dollar, you'd never see off white. You'd never see some of the brands that we love yeah. because those brands know, even though it only costs, you know, X, Y, Z to make the shirt, they know within this audience it's worth a lot more. And I think the same applies to music. But there is an alternate perspective, which I'm sure a lot of listeners would be thinking, which is, okay, all that's cool, but you could also just charge whatever you want for your music if you don't put it on streaming services. You could still just put it on your website and just charge $50, like, you know, on Bandcamp or with PayPal or Cash App or whatever, so you could download it here. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is the other side of the story, which is it's not just control, it's compatibility. So yes, you can control price if you don't want to be compatible with anything else on the internet. And so that's the problem. The problem is, yes, you can get price control by doing things in your own way. And there's a lot of systems that do this. There's a lot of systems where you can use crypto or you can use, um, you know, fiat currency or whatever Mm -hmm. to try to pay wall your music. But that's, that's really not, that that's really not the future because you're not compatible with any of the um, touch points or the interfaces that listeners really want to use. Right. So, so the future is how do you get both? How do you have control of the pricing and still be compatible with all these systems and all these applications that consumers love? And that's what shares share is a system that lets you have dynamic price control 
and complete control of the relationship. So you set the price terms, you set the access time, you set the licensing, which enables people to, to monetize it if they want to. And it's also compatible with existing systems. So the music will still show up in places like Instagram, in places like different streaming applications, in places like the share application, but it's completely compatible. So you get the best of both worlds. Absolutely. And that's what immediately like drew me to your um, to your app. I was um, seeing something. That, oh, that Meek Mill tweeted, right? Meek tweeted, yeah. uh, you know, I'm so tired of streaming services. My next mixtape, I don't want to put, put it on streaming services. I want to, you know, sell it like the old days. You know, because somebody like him who's been around the game for long enough was actually selling mixtapes for $10. You know, exactly. he's seen that real money. And for him to now, like he stated, had a song with Drake, never seen a dollar from it, you know, sold millions of albums at this point, And to not know where his money's coming from, for it to not be a tangible number, for it to be so up in the air. I read something of um, today about Spotify that, it used to be valued stream. Every stream used to be like a half a half a cent. Um, and now it's actually not even any set price. It's just a shared revenue of what Spotify makes like in yep. total. Well, all artists combined. Yep. Right. Yep. Like how asinine is that? Like that means you're just not even Drake controls how much you're getting paid now. Like, Whatever percent of Drake, whatever Drake makes on Spotify or Bad Bunny, whoever's a top streaming artist, like they're basing, putting you on some sort of algorithm that, again, you didn't choose. I didn't choose. They have all the control over and they're saying, OK, I think you deserve this this much for this amount of streams. OK, so here, here's the challenge. And yeah. Basically, what you're talking about is um, it's intermediation, right? It's when you mm -hmm. take you take two people one person that's a buyer, one person that's a seller. Mm -hmm. Then you put this black box in between them and then you just say, these the buyer and seller don't even talk to each other. You provide the good, the other person will talk to the black box, the black box makes all the decisions, yep. right? And that, that's kind of where we are. And what Meek's saying, and you're 100% right, Meek's saying like, wait a minute, I remember before this, I didn't have to do that at all and I was making more money. I didn't, why, I'm more famous now, why should I, why should I be using this other system, right? And yep. I think, what he's saying is the seed is the seed to the future, which is that the creators are actually in control. Yeah. So the whole, the whole value proposition with Spotify and some of these kind of web two streaming technologies was, um, you know, trust us, we'll take care of everything because people are stealing your stuff. People are pirating your stuff. Right. And like, and it's, it's almost like, um, in exchange for that convenience, just let us control the relationship. Yeah. And that, that lasted for a long time, and it was a pretty good solution for a long time, but it's not, I don't believe it's the future. And that's why we're seeing increasingly artists saying, you know what, there's got to be a better way here. Like, even if I just use Cash App. Now, I don't think that's the right answer. I think Share is actually the right answer. Yeah. But you could tell that Meek is on the right track with what he's saying. Exactly. And I do, I do want to make it like, because I know when I talk about Share, sometimes it gets a little bit too technical. So, yeah. Basically, from a from a from like a um, from the perspective of the artist, what it means is like instead of going to DistroKid or United Masters or TuneCore or whatever to upload a song, or instead of going to SoundCloud, you go to this new thing, which is a decentralized app, right? So in this case, it would be Share.Formless.xyz, and then in that app, 
it, it feels just like SoundCloud. You just drag and drop the WAV file, you drag and drop the artwork, you drag and drop um, any of the details about the people you worked with. But then there's, there's like really dope new things that you could never do. So you just, for example, you can drag in the wallet addresses of all the people that are on the song or on the album with you so that, and then put in their split so that they instantly will get paid whenever there's a transaction. You can do things like enable Apple Pay so that as soon as the song comes out, someone can just use Face ID and boom, they can send you the 25 cents and they get access to the record. And you can do things like... Not, oh, not, to, not to interrupt, but that's what sold me, to be honest. Like when yeah. I seen that <laughs> as a part of the, the promo video that you had under Meek's tweet, I was yeah. like, oh, this is what I've been searching for, like compatibility, which goes back exactly. to like your, exactly. your main point. That's like, no, this is not a clunky like because let's let's for example let's say meek mill were to do i'm selling flamers five on cash app you guys email me your cash app receipt exactly and and, and and then i'm gonna i'm gonna send you a link to download this shit. like it seems so primitive and unorganized and as a person who is just like reasonable like okay that's not reasonable like to be able to keep track of that many on on a scale that large you're not gonna not everybody's gonna be a satisfied customer some people are not gonna get um exactly you know service some people are gonna make a, a fake screenshot how are we gonna determine what they are what they aren't when i seen that it was compatible with apple pay nobody like trust any like apple pay is so trustworthy because like you said it's face id it's an apple yep. product apple has all our trust you know for better for worse and when I seen that, I'm like, oh, wow, perfect. I'm sold. Like, how do we get my artist's music on here? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, sorry. Didn't exactly. interrupt, but that was kind of just my point of view from from where, where I seen it. No, you nailed it. That, that, that's that's exactly what I'm, what I'm saying, right? It's, you want to get the same price control and the same relationship control as if, you know, you're using Cash App and just, like, download the link. But, like, with compatibility with the systems that people know and love, that make it super, super convenient. And so um, the other thing you can do, which is dope, is you can check a box that says like, um, allow this content to be included in a playlist by other people. So now other people can take your record or your video and they can add it to their own playlist and you still get paid every time that they share the, uh, the content. So it's this whole ecosystem of peer-to-peer -peer monetization. Yeah. And so you hit upload, just like SoundCloud, you hit upload, Two seconds later, you get the link. All right. Now, this is what's dope. When you share that link, you send it in the text, it looks just like a Spotify link. You send it on Instagram or Twitter, it looks just like Spotify or YouTube. That's how you and I linked, right? You saw yeah. it on Twitter yeah. and you saw the video. So that's one way to interact with it. But what was, was fire is that the actual contract, normally this, the contract between you and the consumer is that distro kid or that tune core agreement. That's a sub-license agreement between you and Spotify. In this case, the contract is an electronic smart contract. And that means that the music can actually show up in any other application, not just in share. Mm. And so that's that's a little bit harder to, to see um, without like the visual, but that's what I really want all, the, all your listeners to understand is that the, the future is gonna be all your music, all your videos, all those agreements won't be held by some intermediary. It'll just be your contract that you own in decentralized technology. 
and then other applications can serve that content and monetize, and then you'll have a lot more revenue streams. And that's what Share uh, really represents. And that's cool as fuck. And at the end of the day, like you said, like it looks like a Spotify link. It looks like Apple Music link. We in yep. in hip hop, maybe I don't know if it's all you know forms of music. We need shit to look cool too. It's got to. We it just to. do. We just do. <laughs> it just can't look weird or lame or like a virus or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like the fact that it's like no, this looks cool too, and it is not like some weird like third party app that you have to use. It's like. No, this this will sync with everything that you got going on, which is, I think, such exactly. an important thing. Like, you know, as of working with Apple and Google, like syncing is everything. It's like you don't want to be in three different calendars and you want everything exactly. to sync up all at once. You want your whole life to be streamlined at this point. Exactly. It's, it's, it's crazy. You say the cool factor, too. It's almost like... Um... You know it when you see it, right? It's like a feeling. Yeah. And it's funny. A lot, a lot of, um, a lot of products that I see, I could tell. You know, when I just flip back to being an artist, I might just not like it just because of the name. Yeah. Like the name just, just doesn't make sense for me. You know what I mean? Even yeah. though it could have so many features, it's like, nah, it's just, it's not gonna work just based on the name. Yep. Absolutely. So we're here now. You know, to the present. And it's like, okay, you've you've built this this company, and and now you're partnering with different people. What are some goals of yours for 2023? And what's like, I guess you can say like the ultimate goal, you know, with this app. That's a great question. So, um, you know, I think one of the things with with being a founder uh, in general is, you know, you go out you build product, you talk with the community that you're building it for. And this is, this is really important. You, you really want to have a dialogue with the people you're building it for, because the worst thing to do is to build in a vacuum and then pop out the other side and for people to be like, Oh, we don't want that. We don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Mm So, so like, that's why conversations like this for me are just so, you know, so important. I was so glad you and I got a chance to connect because, you know, the technology is now built. And, you know, me being someone that's both an engineer and an artist, I definitely was heavy, heavy engineering in 2022. 2023 for me is back to creativity. It's back to being in spaces with other creators and really, you know, continuing this conversation to take the technological foundation we've built and then go after what's phase two for almost all products, which is what's called product market fit. So that means, you know, taking... um, what's established now and then refining it and fine tuning it so that everybody really, really gets the most value out of it. Um, and so that's the goal for 2023 is to pretty aggressively go from, you know, the foundational tech to very clear product market fit and making sure that the users we built this for are, you know, completely thrilled um, and delighted with the technology. Absolutely. So we got to get Meek on the phone. And we gotta hit him. <laughs> hit me. Every time I, wish... I see him tweet, I'm like, oh. Yeah, I wish <laughs> I wish exactly I, I wish I had mean. his number. I, I'd call him right now. Um I but think you know changed, what? I, I think he changes his number frequently. Probably. I think it, you know, again, back to the cool factor. I think all it takes is like a few cool people in hip hop yeah. that are respected to use this. And as well as like, you know, maybe a, a bigger company, maybe like an empire, like you know, yep. looks at this and is like, hey, we like being, you know, um, you know, in this tech space. We're in San Francisco. Like, we're very aware of all these things. And they're very much 
you know, optically like artist for artists, you know, artist driven. We want artists to not be in debt thousands of dollars. Like we want them to get their fair splits and all this stuff. So I think, you know, yep. somebody like that, an artist that's just getting out of their deal, you know, like a Meek Mill, that's like a, a major artist that doesn't have a label home anymore is going out on their own and being independent. And it's like, it's scary. I can only imagine how it is from being, you know, artists like Meek to where you're one of the biggest artists ever. And now, you know, you have the label support you know, all these years. And now it's like, boom, you're an independent artist. You got to figure this yeah. shit out on your own. You got to upload your own shit on TuneCore, DistroKid, whatever, you know, your choice of thing is. And it's like, where do you go from here? We can't sell CDs out the back of our trunks anymore. Our cars don't even have CD players. So, yep. you know, compatibility is like, you know, the main thing. It's like we still want to hear our, our shit on Bluetooth, um, you know, plug our phone ins and make sure it could charge and still listen to our favorite music. So, you know, that's why I think this has that like cool factor. And, you know, I just hope that a lot more artists are are aware of this. And that's why I want to have this conversation, you know, to open people's eyes and be like, yo, there is an alternative now. It is cool. And it's done by a person from our culture. It's not being sold to us. Like my main thing is like when SoundCloud was SoundCloud rap was popping up. Me realizing like when I did my research that these guys are from fucking Gubershmugen, and nobody is like what they don't give a fuck about SoundCloud rap. They never did until right. it was too late, and they realized like they right. stopped fighting against it and embraced it. And now there's like a SoundCloud rap documentary on the way and all this stuff. But it's like. They didn't embrace it in real time because they weren't even of the culture. They didn't understand. When you go to Spotify's history, it's like these people are from Sweden, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're 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 100 right. I mean, I think um, I think for me, it goes it goes back to this idea of of identity and language. Yeah. And so, a lot of the products that you're referencing, you know, they were built by. By people that have, you know, I, I think they were well intended. They probably yeah. weren't building it for hip hop, even though hip hop ended up being like the number one, the most dominant genre, um, genre on the yeah. platforms. Yeah, but like, you know, to that to that, and they they didn't really have the same language in mind. And then on our side, we didn't really have the language to go out and specify or design or build what we needed in time. So mm -hmm. so we ended up using the tools that were available. And I think because of that, it comes down to like the timing of us being able to speak the language of the tech and also being able to speak the language of the culture. And if you can do that, then you can design a system that solves the problem. And, and then to your point, it just comes down to getting the right people to understand it and to adopt it, which again, I think is a language problem because you have to be able to, whether it's a visual language or a sound or like the way we talk about it on podcasts like this, you have to be able to convince Meek or convince other artists, um, that this is the way, yeah. right? Like this is the the light that you're looking for. And sometimes even if it is the way, if you can't say it correctly, it doesn't matter, right? You have to be able to say it correctly. And and when I say say it, that doesn't even mean describe it. That could mean like show, right? Like the video clip that you saw, was, it was pretty intentional the way that we set that up because, yeah. you know, me as an artist, I'm like, yo, it's a certain way it got to look. Otherwise people won't understand. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, you guys are, are putting together like a, a dope presentation for it. And I'm excited to see, you know, the rest of the, the marketing that goes into, you know, 2023 and getting people to understand this. And I'm a real firm believer in it. I just think a few 
like I said, key artists need to to adapt this and and you know yeah. share it, no pun intended, and you know just have it like, hey, you guys want my album early? Boom, here you go. Exactly, da, 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 peer to peer, and and get that going. And and you know I know with my artists, like we we spoke about, like I'm trying to get my artists to be, you know, some of the first on this and and really train the consumers to be like, hey, like this is how we want to build our relationship with you direct yep. to consumer like you said peer peer to peer we want to have that same you know hand to hand you know face to face uh cd's out the trunk feeling and let exactly. you know like hey you you're really supporting us more than anybody else we appreciate you we have your info you know we can now it's like another thing is like now that you're on this uh you know, smart contract and stuff is like, can you now like send peer to peer? Like, let's say, let's say I'm an artist and I have consumers and they've bought from me before. Now, can I send them, you know, something and be like, Hey, thanks for purchasing the last song. Here's another song that I wasn't going to necessarily put out. This is yours. Zero dollars, zero dollars, zero cents, you know, just accept it, click it, open it, whatever. Is that like a possibility as well? Or, or, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this this actually ties into the other side of the of the equation, which um, you know, you had you had touched briefly on like the longer term vision. So, I think, you know, as an artist, it's it's about this idea of like control and having the dynamics of supply and demand and compatibility, but also communication, yeah. right? And and for me, like SoundCloud was dope because when I first got to LA, I started dropping on SoundCloud. I was DMing the first, you know. 10 people that that like the record and, and just mm -hmm. trying to build a relationship with fans. Yeah. Now where that breaks down is when they stop letting you DM or when or when the Instagram algorithm, you know, takes away your reach and all these things. And so communication is like the other part. And so share, you know, right now what you're seeing is the content distribution part. But share really in terms of the larger vision is decentralized uh, social and content distribution. So you'll be able to communicate with your audience and with your supporters, as well as monetize. So yes, you can let them know, hey, I got something else for you. This one's gonna be free. And the other piece that's really dope is that because of this permissionless monetization, they can make money too. Mm. So they can say, okay, I got this, this four records from, from Vic's uh, last artist drop that I really like. There's three other records I like. I'm gonna make my own playlist. I'm gonna charge $13 for the playlist. And then all the artists are still gonna get paid. So now, yeah, you know what I mean? Just like when people was was ripping stuff and selling it. Yeah, uh, making their mixtapes, yeah. Yeah, you can do that now, but but That's actually fine. do it legally and everybody still gets paid. That's super fucking dope. Yeah, wow. so that that's what share is about. Like the whole the word share is about sharing the upside of this whole culture, sharing the monetization, sharing the licensing, sharing our our messages and thoughts without being intermediated by these companies that's dope um to take it one step back you mentioned the decentralized like you know place platform to like share things is that similar to like discord would you say kind of yeah so okay. the only the only difference is like discord is still a company right discord they, they could tomorrow say oh you know what we're uh, revoking the server and and we're going to charge you $150 a month to, to talk to everybody. You know what I mean? Okay. 
So what you, what you really want and what everybody wants, I think, at this point, especially what we're seeing with Twitter and Elon and everything, is we want a place where we can build relationships with people and communicate and where there's no chance that in the future those relationships are going to get taken away. Yeah. And that, that, that problem hasn't really been solved yet. There's a bunch of technologies, uh, for example, Blue Sky or Mastodon or like Farcaster, Lens Protocol, you know, anybody that's, that's looking into decentralized social media, they'll be familiar with those. But they're not widely adopted. And the reason they're not widely adopted, I believe, is because you have to start with the creators. You have to solve the creator problem first and make sure that there's value before I think you're going to get anybody to really care about these decentralized technologies. Mm. Okay. I feel that. All right, man. Well, I think we covered a lot. <laughs> I think we Yeah, yeah, I think, we did. I think we covered a lot. I I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of people were able to, you know, grasp a lot of a lot of this. I feel like it sounds a little complicated, you know, but I think if if you kind of just like get an understanding of of the way things are, the way tech is, just maybe do a little bit of research on like, you know, a few of the, maybe the words if, if people didn't like completely understand them. My main thing with this was like, I wanna get people to understand like how dope this is, how there's alternatives out there. Everybody's complaining about, uh, yep. I don't see no money from streaming. I don't see this. I got this many streams and no money and my song got demonetized or my YouTube video got demonetized and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, we're allowing these companies to, um, you know, to control it. Um, sorry about that. We're allowing these uh these companies to to control, you know, what we have going on, and and it's like, you know, there needs to be something else out there that's like direct to consumer, and and we can monetize, and you can see it right away. Oh, it's in my Apple, it's in my Apple wallet. It's lit, you know. Exactly. Um, I just sold yeah. this album and I can go buy something with it today. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, I can go like record another cool record. I can get that studio time today. That's right? the cool like, shit. I think there needs to be a commercial like that. Like my little input <laughs> is like, yo, I just sold, you know, fucking a hundred albums. This is how much a hundred albums can buy you. Then you go somewhere exactly. and you make an actual real life purchase. And it's not three, four months later. You know what I'm saying? It's today. Like, it's today. It's today. You, exactly. you made the album yesterday. You uploaded it. You're putting it out. You can buy shit with it tangibly today. I think that's like the dopest thing. And it seems like kind of insane that this used to be the way. I know, right? We've have to. You've had to engineer and code and do so much shit just for us to get the same type Back. of interaction as somebody that was in a, a grocery market parking lot handing you a cd for 20 okay. bucks <laughs> uh, let me give you this let me, let me give you this analogy before we leave because because yeah. you, you you just hit it so the way i like to think of it or the way even my whole team is it's back to the future if you yeah. think about like a lot of the dopest innovations it's almost always how do you use technology to do a modern version of what we used to do in the past if you look at uber for example um you know it's 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 a really interesting idea because before there was taxis, right? We would just ask people for rides. Like yeah. you would just ask your neighbor for a ride. So what did Uber do? <laughs> Uber said, oh, let's go back to that, but use tech to ask people that we don't know for rides. So it doesn't just have to be the neighbor, right? It's the yeah. same thing where we feel like it's this new thing, but it's really just going back to what we did before yeah. in a more scalable way. Absolutely. I, I think about all the time when I was approached 
in a grocery store parking lot by like some rappers. I was with my mom. I was a, I was a little kid, and they come up to us and they're like, "Hey, you guys like hip hop? You guys want to buy a CD?" They're like, "We're from San yeah. Diego. We drove all the way up here. We've been out here all day. It was nighttime, and you know I'm a huge fan of hip hop at that at that time. And I'm like, oh, I just met some rappers, and my mom's like, ah, I don't know, da da da, and they're like, yeah, just the CD, you know, ten bucks. It got two singles on here, this song, this song, da da da." And they're like, my mom's like, okay, fine, you know, because I'm like, yeah, let's, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, mom, buy it, please, please, please. Like, I don't know who they are, but it it could be cool. And so I yeah. remember getting that, and you know, thinking of like, then in the song, it was called "Independent Out the Trunk." I have like a super vivid memory of this. The song is called "Independent Out the Trunk," and the hook was "Independent Out the Trunk" with fifty grand a month. And I was like. Are they making 50 grand a month? Like, and then I'm thinking about it, I'm like, <laughs> that's actually like feasible if you're driving up and down San Diego to LA and you're selling yep. at every grocery store, you know, ten dollars here, ten dollars here, going printing more up. You can really make fifty thousand really a month yeah. and be unknown rappers from San Diego, and they might have hit that, and nobody will know because there's not really, you know, things like uh, to document that. But the fact that, you know, there's an opportunity to, like, do things like that now again. I know people are making money off a of distro kid, you know, in that fashion. But think about how many millions of streams and how many songs they have to release to get to that point. It's right. it's a lot. Right. It's a lot. And and this, I think, gives an opportunity to, you know, just get closer to that number with putting in a good amount of work, but just getting the proper return for your art in my opinion exactly exactly yeah no i agree yeah so i hope everybody you know can uh can you know understand all this information digest it you know play this back a few times if you need to up the plays you know because spotify don't be playing uh be paying me that much uh per stream so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh and then uh i need to figure out how to get uh my podcast on the share app as well so we can start you know rolling that out and you know Oh, that's easy. We can, yeah, we pass music and getting into the podcast space, and I feel like that's a whole separate conversation for another time, you know. But I definitely want to have it as well. And you know, next time you come to LA, you know, let's definitely sit down, chop it up, and and have another conversation. Sounds good, bro. I appreciate you. And um, if anybody wants to learn more about Share, I think the best way is probably our YouTube video. If you go to YouTube slash at formless underscore X Y Z. Um, we got some dope videos on there where you can watch the whole process. It's not as scary or as hard as it sounds to do uploads um, once you get the hang of it. So I appreciate you and I appreciate all the listeners. Absolutely. And I have actually, I have that Swifty Blue uh, video for you. I got to send it over to oh, you. Oh, let's, let's get it. Yeah, all it's right. all done. Perfect. Yeah, I'm going to text it to you right now. All right, dog. All Thank right, you. Man. Appreciate it. Brandon Torrey, Rosecransvic, Rosecransvic Podcast. We out. <laughs>